Just where were the Calgary Flames at this time last year? Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Lockdown Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown to get started today. And make sure you're subscribing to Locked on Flames because, hello, what are you doing? We're here for you, your team, every day. And we are available on all podcast platforms as well as YouTube. Today, we are going to be turning back the time machine, getting in our time machine, turning it back, and then jumping back in it to today and looking ahead, looking at our crystal ball because there's been a lot of change and it, you know, Treat this like you would a good old venting session with your friend because the Flames and Flames fans have been through quite a lot over the last year. And I don't really know if any of us have uh, entirely talked about it. Like, have any of us, like, processed through everything? Like, obviously, we've talked about it, but, like, have we truly talked about it? Like, I feel like we just kind of scraped the surface. But let's dive right into this. This time last year, the Flames had just been eliminated by their biggest rivals, the Edmonton Oilers. And it, it was a rough series. You know, I look back on that series um, not very fondly, to be entirely honest, for obvious reasons. But game one kind of gave us a little bit of hope neither goalie was stopping a a a beach ball a train anything that came their way it was really really bad and of course you know the same time you lose Chris Tanev who had a separated shoulder and a torn labrum and at one point it was reported that he had like a sprained spine or like a sprained neck and then that was like retracted immediately when people were like why is he allowed to play why are we allowing this but it wasn't at least that wasn't like an official injury that they had released I don't know that whole situation was a lot but we know how I feel about team doctors we know how the the league views players. They were just a pawn. But anyways, Markstrom was cooked. He was like a well-done sink. Burnt. You weren't getting anything out of him. There was there was no juice left flowing in Jacob Markstrom by the end of that series. By game two, let's be honest. And the Flames were simply suffocated. <laughs> to put it lightly, you know, I think a lot of people were really excited for that series for, I mean, a very good reason. Obviously, being your biggest rival, Battle of Alberta, kind of a big deal. And both teams looked good. And for once, the Flames had adequate goaltending 
going into the series and it didn't look like an automatic loss. Did I think it was going to be five games? No. No. Did I think it was going to go six or seven? Yes. Most people did. You know, unfortunately, you couldn't stop Leon Dreisaitl, even if his left ankle was dangling on by a thread. There was just nothing the Flames were could have done to, to win that series, <laughs> other than score more goals. But obviously, they couldn't do that. And it was really unfortunate just watching the team leave the ice knowing (laughs) what could be happening next. And that, of course, was um, the reality of things that happened next. But the offseason looked hopeful. You know, there was no indication that Gaudreau was leaving. There was no indication that Kachuk wanted out. And there really wouldn't be any indication for another, like, six weeks. And... Uh, it, it was it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people are still kind of like, how did we experience this much turnover in a matter of weeks? I still don't know how that happened all in one one summer. Um, it, it was a lot, but at least you want a playoff round. That I know, I know, I know. People don't believe you. Don't win the cup. You don't win anything. The Flames. <laughs> desperately needed to win a round you aren't winning the cup if you aren't making the playoffs frequently we've talked about that a lot on the show especially with Nick he he puts it very well you don't go into the playoffs and just win a Stanley Cup like on your first try I mean we did see it with Vegas Florida has been you know bounced a few times and this is like a legitimate attempt for them we've seen it with Tampa, we've seen it, well, not with Toronto, unless, like, you're an older person listening to this. But, you know, it, it's very much a repet- repetitive thing because you don't just get to go into this and have luck on your side for the entire thing. You don't. But anyways, back to the Flames. We knew that Tree Living was rolling out the red carpet for Gaudreau. We knew that this man would have, like, bedazzled a helicopter for for Johnny Gaudreau. Rolled, rolled out the red carpet. Like, whatever it took to get this man to sign a deal. Okay. So the efforts were started immediately. Your goalie was buzzing throughout the regular season. So, you know, okay, maybe we see that again next year. Your coach was getting the most out of these players and in a way that you hadn't seen before. And there was something to, you know, really excite you about getting another year of this and another year of good coaching. And you had two 100 plus point players. Certainly, certainly your stars would want to sign extensions here, right? I mean, how could it be more attractive than that? Well, I guess no income tax in Florida looks real good when you're making millions of millions of dollars. And hey, Ohio's wonderful. I've been once. I was very sick. I was 12. But I've heard Columbus is wonderful. You know, it's um, not in Canada. So you're not dealing with the the border and 
being literally 3,000 miles away from your family. And then we were just left. We were just left with a roster that we didn't know what we were going to do. <laughs> and I don't think Daryl Sutter knew what to do with them because it was fairly obvious this team was not receptive to that. What was what happened so quickly <laughs> for things to go downhill like that? <laughs> Coming up next, we're going to talk about this season in like uh, in kind of the same way that we just talked about last season. Uh, kind of looking at it and examining it from like a bird's eye view and like picking apart things and then looking at things we can be hopeful for because you know there's one thing I'm going to be and that is just cautiously optimistic but especially during the off season because anything is possible <laughs> but before we do that I do want to take a quick moment to talk to you about FanDuel uh, make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's a whole lot of money because, you know, that's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Wow, that amount of money left me speechless. You can get everything you need on FanDuel. It's safe. It's secure. You get paid instantly. There's a ton of great promotions, not just even for the sports you're just interested in. Uh, there's basketball, baseball. Uh, during May, there was the Kentucky Derby. So there was a lot of, you know, different promotions going on. And there's no better place to bet all playoffs than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. And thank you everyone for sticking around and hanging out with me today. I'm so happy to have you here. It... Uh, this time last year, I feel like so many of us were just so positive. We were so excited. And then every day that went on and closer and closer to free agency without a Johnny Gaudreau contract extension, the nerves were kind of ramped up, right? You were uh, getting rightfully nervous and... And then it was announced that it sounded like Gaudreau was going to explore his options in free agency. Which didn't mean, which did not mean that he wasn't going to resign. It just meant that he wanted to see what else was out there. And he certainly did. <laughs> um, it, it, it was a lot. You know, people were leaking oh, the reported deals that you know the the offers the potential salary and just a whole lot of nothing came out of it and we know what happens next Matthew Kachuk says I have no interest in signing here long term so trade me and everyone everywhere on his list had uh no state income tax. Uh, I guess too bad there's not a team in New Hampshire. But uh, yeah, you know, it's very. It was a very 
tumultuous time because you were coming off this high from the season. Even if it ended early, you still won a playoff round against a very good Dallas Stars team, and then things just plummeted. And now here we are, June 1st, the draft's at the end of this month, and you know what? There's a whole new general manager in the front office. Brad Tree Living is in Toronto now. Kyle Dubas is in uh, Pittsburgh. And we're doing a whole lot of musical chairs, but there is some fresh blood in the Flames front office. At the seat of the general manager is Craig Conroy. And Craig Conroy has made it very clear that he has a vision for this team and he wants this team to get younger. He wants this team to be a competitive team. He wants this to be a team that can win. And he wants his goalies to play. And he's made it pretty clear that, you know, there's no point in calling up Dustin Wolf if he's not going to play. Talked about trading Markstrom. Can't really do that. You're not saving really any money by buying him out. And maybe maybe trading Vladar is the best option. But I, who knows? And of course, Daryl Sutter is out, which means Mitch Love or Ryan Huska probably going to be taking over in some capacity. Uh, Kirk Muller is reportedly interviewing with other organizations. He might be going to Columbus. I mean, as long as he's not in Calgary, I'm okay with that. I think it's just time to move on. But Ryan Huska and Mitch Love are probably the favorites among the coaching candidate or candidates for the coaching vacancy. And I think that's fair. I think that it makes sense to bring in, you know, maybe both of them at some capacity to work with these players to, who are going to be making the jump from the AHL to the NHL and getting them integrated with NHL lifestyle, with how, you know, it's not just, it's not the AHL anymore. It's not college. It's not juniors. You are playing at an elite level. You have, we we just heard it um, with Aiden Hill and how someone from, the organization uh, with the Golden Knights was like, buddy, you, you need to start waking up and realizing where you are. You are in the NHL. You have been traded to us because we needed a goalie and we need you to do a job. And apparently he made some changes. He started taking it a lot more seriously. And look at him. Look at him now, right? So... You need to have someone behind the bench that can motivate your players like that. Craig Conroy did uh, just let Jack Beck walk straight back into the NHL draft uh, since he did not sign him to a contract. There were a few other um, draftees from last year or the year before, rather, that just going back to the draft, including Cameron Wynott. And there was... There was another player, too. But, you know, for a dwindling prospect pool, a not-so-great prospect pool, it's kind of tough to see that. Um, Especially from a guy 
that wants to get this team younger. Why would you just give up on prospects? What does he know that we don't, you know? And ownership clearly wanted a change. I think that that has been very clear. From the moment the season ended, players had reportedly put in trade requests. And then all, if not a, if not all, a majority of them were rescinded when Daryl Sutter was fired. It, it's just silly how that works, you know. I, I think that there's almost like a like it's almost a cause and effect sort of situation here, you know. Um, I don't know, not not a rocket scientist here, but putting two and two together and. Another big thing that the Flames really made clear in their exit interviews is that they want a captain. That would have solved a lot of problems last season because there is another chain, another link in the chain of command, if you will. You know, you can't just have, like, I don't know who, Dylan Dubé going to ownership and being like, this coach sucks. Do you see what he's doing to us? We need a change. You can't do that. You are setting Dylan Dubé up to fail or whatever player. You're not setting them up. They need. There needs to be a declared voice in the room appointed by ownership, I guess, technically names the captain, I would think. And... You just need, some, you really need some sort of distinguished leader, a distinct voice in the room, and someone that can really get things going. And they're going to need that heading into next season with all of this change. There's, we thought there was roster turnover last year. Wait until we're rolling into camp in October not October, it'll be like September, <laughs> uh, late August, early September. And we're going to, we're going to see some stuff. Hopefully will not be as horrible and traumatic, even if you will, as last summer. Cause coming up next, we are going to take a look into our crystal ball and see what we can look forward to here on Lockdown Flames. And thank you so much, everyone, for sticking around. I'm so happy to have you here. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at JessBelmosto and make sure that you are subscribed to the show on your favorite podcast platforms and, of course, on YouTube as well. Throw us a five-star rating and a nice little review. It, it doesn't take much, and it means a lot to, to Nick and I. There, you know, last summer was a lot. Last summer was probably the biggest summer in Calgary Flames history, at, at least in recent years. I don't know. <laughs> I, I obviously haven't been here all that long, but I would say last year was absolutely an organizational. There was a lot of things happening last summer that impacted the future of the franchise. <laughs> and there, there are still questions heading into this summer. I don't think, you know, it's going to be like a a drop in the bucket. I think there's going to be actual changes. And there will be some roster turnover. 
there are obviously changes happening at all levels of the organization. So you know that ownership wants something new. And they, they're getting that. But like Craig Conroy has said, what we can't go into next season, not this upcoming season, but the following season with seven UFAs. That is not realistic. What are you going to do? How are you going to proceed? Who are you going to let walk? How can you maximize the most out of these players, whether it be them re-signing or trading them by the deadline? And we, again, we've talked about it on the show before. Elias Lindholm, what what are you going to do? Do you let him walk because the Flames have a really good season and you need him to keep going for the playoffs and then you get another first-round exit and you bounce, like, and he walks for nothing? Are you trading Tyler to Foley because, you know, you, you got the most out of him? You know, he, he was just here. He did his – he filled the roster spot and did what he needed to do. You know, he had a 73-point season. He didn't just float – and coast his way through last year uh, or the year before. But Oliver Shillington, is he going to be back this year? You know, we've seen him skating and posting videos of him training in Sweden, which is really great. But are they, does he have an interest in coming back? And is he, you know, willing to stay in Calgary? Does he want to sign an extension? Can you maximize the return on a player like Noah Hannafin. I don't know. They're certainly not getting roster players because they really do need to find a way to make cap space and make, make it their friends. Because I'm sorry, I don't think anyone is taking an overly friendly team deal to move to Calgary. It, it took a lot to to get Kachuk out. I'm not saying Noah Hannafin is the same, but players are probably going to be a little stingy. They, they probably aren't going to want to waive their no movement clause. If that's really like what the flames are trying to do. And again, that's just like a, a long shot. I don't think that that's, that's going to be the case. I think that of course it's just going to have to be picks and prospects because prospects mm, don't cost a lot. The Flames have like a million and three dollars or one point three million dollars in cap space, and that's not a lot. <laughs> that is not a lot. And you know, Lucic's money is coming off the books, but it's already been spent. So we'll have to look forward to that in like nine years when Jonathan Huberdo and Mackenzie Weger are coming off the books and Nazem Kadri. You know, it's going to be a long time <laughs> before we see any sort of cap flexibility. And the Flames are going to have to get creative, but, but there's always the possibility that things get really, really good because of all this change. There's fresh blood. There's fresh minds. Players are happy with the decisions made. You're going to see them turn a corner uh, because they aren't dealing with the same negativity or same atmosphere as last year 
Huberto and Uyghur are going to get comfortable and situated. So, you know, you're going to be seeing more of them. And I think that whoever they bring in for a coaching candidate can probably at least coach them into a wild card spot. I mean, heck, they were almost there this year. And you just have to look at things cautiously, you know, from a cautiously optimistic view. But at the same time, it's okay to be excited. (laughs) It is absolutely okay to want this team next year to, you want them to be good. Of course, you don't want them to be bad. It's not like you're getting Connor Bedard. And I just, I hope that the Flames make the right decision when it comes to switching up the, uh, the coaching blood. Uh, it's very clear that Gerard Gallant and Peter Laviolette want nothing to do with Calgary and Calgary does not want to pay Gallant. And that's okay. I've never been more excited to have a cheap owner. If he didn't have $8 million tied up in Daryl Sutter, yeah, I'm sure he would. But not today. And that's okay. But that about does it for today's episode of Locked on Flames. There are so many things to be excited for within this organization, including the AHL team, Calgary Wranglers, So exciting to see a lot of these guys more than likely making the jump to the NHL. And we're going to talk about who it might be and maybe even have one on the show. So thank you so much for sticking around and make sure you are subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts. We are available on YouTube as well as your favorite podcasting platforms. And just give us a five-star rating and a little review. And I will see you tomorrow where we are just going to continue, hopefully, navigating this off season together. Bye-bye.